Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and a current ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks to not only help you be the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but also help you live the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. I hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. guys and welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited for my co-host today. Her name is Maria. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi everyone. I'm Maria from Teaching Behavior Together on over on Instagram. I'm a school-based behavior analyst and I work in schools as just a behavior specialist, um, mainly with older students, but I've worked with students pre-K to high school, the end of high school, senior year, um, And yeah, so I have experience in the schools as well as in private uh, clinics for students with autism. Way back in the day, I did that. So different range of experience. And I'm super excited to have Maria come on because she is a BCBA that understands the school system. And as someone who taught for six years, I was very intimidated by BCBAs that would come in, especially if they were ones that my families were bringing. So they didn't work for the school system, but they were a private BCBA coming to an IEP meeting. That was very, very nerve wracking. And so since Maria really understands both of those worlds, I wanted to have her on. So my first question is, since you are a school-based BCBA, you have a really interesting perspective to both worlds. So what's one thing that you wish teachers knew about BCBAs in general? One thing I wish teachers knew about BCBAs is that we really want to work collaboratively. So there are situations where BCBAs are brought in to the district in terms of like parents bringing them in at different meetings, or they might be hired through an outside agency to come in and do like a consulting role. And, and hopefully if you have that experience with the BCBA, it was a positive experience. I always err on the side of wanting to be really collaborative with the team because that's how we get the most work done. And all the BCBAs that I've ever met in schools want to be collaborative because we don't know the ins and outs of your classroom. We specialize in like behavior and the contingencies around behavior and how we can increase skills of our students, but we don't know the ins and outs of your classroom. So as much information as you can give us about what's feasible in your classroom, what, what is the capacity of you and your staff in your classroom, that can help us write a really comprehensive behavior plan that will allow us to teach and maximize the success of your students without it feeling like we're do, we're telling you this is this is what you have to do. I never go into a classroom and just say, here's a behavior plan, this is what we're doing, because one, that's just not the best way to work collaboratively on a team. Two, a lot of times if you go in without really knowing the environment without knowing the staff in the classroom, it can be really challenging to write a plan without knowing all the details of a classroom that can be actually carried out in the classroom setting. Um, so that's that's one thing that I would want teachers to know is just that we're looking for collaboration and as much information as you can give us that will help us write a better plan for you. And along the same lines, what is one thing that you wish BCBAs knew about teachers? One thing I wish BCBAs knew about teachers is that They advocate for their students and want the best for their students in all situations. And we're all on the same team. And we want, we all want to maximize the success of our students. And when a teacher is saying, you know, 
during the small group session, when you're asking me to work on this skill, I have all these other students that I'm, that I'm working with too. Is there a way we can adjust the intervention so that it's more feasible for me to implement? Or if, if you are getting some pushback from teachers, it's not that they don't want to do something. It's either they don't understand how to do it, or there's, there's, their attention is being split so many different ways that they might not be able to do it the way that you, that you have written. So you as the BCBA have to look at the environment and really adjust your plan so that uh, it's feasible for teachers. Feasible leads to fidelity in implementation. If, if what you're asking them to do is not feasible, we, they can't carry it out to fidelity. And then it just we're just like running on a wheel. We're just spinning our wheels and we're not seeing the progress that we want to see. So take any type of pushback that you're getting from a teacher about a plan as how can I adjust this so that it's feasible for them to implement? And we're also working on learning targets of the student. I love that. And one thing that I would really love your advice on, because you completely understand that teacher side being in a school, my BCBA that I work for now, I know her from consulting with one of my students in my classroom. The very first time I ever had a meeting with her, she said that we were going to put it on extinction. And I had no idea what that meant. I'm sitting on the table like, okay. And I think a lot of teachers have that experience where they are really, really knowledgeable, but they don't know ABA terminology. They don't have the same experience. They don't have the background. And then I'd feel like, I'm not even sure how to like call her up and ask a question. Cause I'm going to sound like, I don't know anything cause I can't say it and behavior terms. So how can you as a teacher build the confidence to have those conversations with BCBAs, even if you can't maybe say in analytic terms, what's happening in your classroom? Right, that's such a good question. And hopefully if you're a BCBA working in a school, you recognize as part of our ethical code to utilize terminology that is understandable by all. And there's a really great book called ABA Speak. You can find it on Amazon and it's a ton of the definitions for ABA and then they break it down into how to explain these so that teachers can understand it, parents can understand it, people in the community can understand the different terms. So highly recommend that book if that is something that you struggle with because for the board exam, you have to know all the terms. So it's like this catch 22 where you have to know all the terms to fluency for the board exam. But when you're actually practicing, you're not really utilizing those terms unless if you're talking to another BCBA you know, in your programming or whatever. If you're talking to parents, you shouldn't really be using those terms. If you're talking to teachers, we don't want to just, you know, spew out a bunch of ABA jargon because that doesn't really help anybody in, in the long run. So if you are a teacher and you feel like the um, BCBA is using a lot of terminology that is not familiar to you for a variety of reasons, I would ask them to, to explain that and give you an example of what that could look like in the classroom. So if they're saying, we're going to put something on an ex, um, extinction, okay, well, what, what does that look like in my classroom for me, for my student, and have them give you a practical example of that term. Um, you know, there's a lot of terms that we use for like data collection, we're going to collect data on an F1 schedule, or FR1 schedule, and teachers might not know whether it's a fixed ratio one minute schedule where every minute we're taking data, um, or providing reinforcement. <laughs> My brain is like mush today, but providing reinforcement on a fixed ratio one schedule. Um, that might not be familiar to you. Hopefully that's not how they're telling you to take data. But I've always erred on the side of as opposed to spewing out a term, tell them what that looks like, you know, paint a picture. What does that look like? What does extinction look like in your classroom? Um, what does putting a behavior on extinction look like for 
you as the teacher and for the learner and then ask some follow-up questions and okay, how do you recommend that I feasibly do that? I know I keep saying the word feasible, but I, I highly encourage you if you're a teacher ask, how do I feasibly do that with X, Y, and Z in my classroom? And if the BCBA can't necessarily tell you that, they might say, you know, let me continue to observe your classroom and see, you know, how we can work this out. Where can we fit this in? Or they may say, you know, let me continue to observe your classroom and see if there's something else we can do. Because again, it's not feasible. It's not going to be done with fidelity. And um, I would, as a teacher, I would really strongly advocate for yourself and say, I need a plan that me and my staff can carry out each and every day with this student so that we are best serving this, the needs of this child. I love that advice. Absolutely. And then do you have tips on how BCBAs and teachers can start to build that collaborative relationship, especially if they are coming from two different viewpoints? And I think that special education and the world of ABA, it's a little bit more layered than people realize, but sometimes I feel like there's kind of like a budding heads of a BCBA with that really like behavior focus. And then the special ed teacher who has the background in just education, how can they merge that together to make a relationship that works well for the classroom and for the students? Right, absolutely. And you bring up a, a really good point is, it, you know, if you are in a meeting and things are being suggested and you you don't feel like it's going to work. One thing I will say is something that I do run into a lot is I provide suggestions. I always provide a menu of like, here are a couple of options. This is what we determine the function of the behavior to be. Here's some ways we can address it. This is what plan A will look like, plan B will look like, plan C will look like. What do you think? How can we tweak these plans? All of that. I know not everybody does that, but if you are a BCBA, I highly recommend you have some different options. Everyone likes a menu. Everyone likes choices. I mean, it's one of our antecedent strategies we recommend all the time. But as a teacher, I would also be open to hearing how that person wants something carried out or thinks that something could be carried out in your classroom. Um, a lot of times I hear from teachers, we tried that it didn't work. And, and I'm not saying that you try, you didn't try it and it did work, or, you know, I'm not saying that you're wrong in that aspect, but at times we might've tried something, but again, if it wasn't implemented with fidelity, we don't know if it would have worked if we were able to implement it with fidelity, or there are times we just don't give things a long enough time to work. And I know that's really frustrating for you. That's, you know, in the thick of it every single day, someone saying, just give it another chance. Um, so if you do have reasons for why you think something might not work, I would definitely lay out those reasons. But if, you know, you've tried something and you know that you could give it another go around, definitely be open to different suggestions as well. Um, you know, different factors come into play. And when we're really looking at feasible implementation of programs, if you're advocating for feasibility in your classroom and, and by feasibility, I mean things you can realistically do. So I'm not saying every time a BCBA comes in your classroom, you're like, nope, can't do it. But really thinking, okay, how can we make this work? Knowing that again, the end goal is that the student is learning skills, gaining independence, which then takes a little bit off of your plate. You know, you're not dealing with the meltdowns and the tantrums and the blowups in your classroom, or you're able to provide other attention in different areas of a classroom because your students are gaining so much independence. So that's the goal. And as long as we're, you know, working together with that, give things a try, but also um, 
give some reasons. If you think that, you know, something's been tried, I know I did it with fidelity. I know we gave it our best effort for whatever reason, it wasn't working for this kid. Let's pick something else um, so that we're more successful with it this go round. Absolutely. And I feel like when I got more confident talking to BCBAs and I would say right there in the meeting, I don't think this is going to work with reasons, by the way, if you just tell a BCBA, like, I don't think it's going to work. They, you have to be willing to give things a chance. But I said, I don't think this is going to work because this plan needs to have a dedicated staff member. And I am in the room alone with six kids at that time. So I can't be by Johnny's side, giving him whatever he needs every 10 seconds, then we could go ahead and reconsider what to do rather than wasting that time and like walking away from the table, knowing, like you said, there's no way I can do this with fidelity. It's not going to happen, but I'm going to pretend like I'm doing it for four weeks and then come back to the table and then admit I can't do it. I found it was better when I just said, I can't make this work because of X, Y, and Z. Can we brainstorm another solution right now? So it's okay if you know your classroom to advocate for what your classroom needs. Last question I had for you was, if a teacher is in a situation where they are working with a BCBA and they really want to beef up their own knowledge of ABA, they, they wanna be able to understand strategies, where would you suggest they start if maybe they can't commit to going and getting a certificate in ABA? I highly recommend anyone that's remotely interested in ABA thinking maybe this is something that I want to pursue or a teacher who's just looking for more information or a you know, teacher had a BCBA come into classroom and it worked really well and they just want to know how do I apply this to more of my students. I highly recommend pursuing the registered behavior technician training, not saying you have to actually become an RBT, but it's a 40 hour training that there are a ton online. Um, you can usually find them for under hundred dollars. There are certain places that also offer them for free with the caveat of knowing a lot of the trainings are focused on students with autism in a traditional type of setting that an AB um, or BCBA would work in, in, in like a clinic or home-based setting. So just know that, that when you're taking the training, you're, you're taking it for knowledge of the principles, not necessarily that this is going to be a school-based training, especially if you work in a classroom, say you're a mild moderate um, teacher with mild moderate focus, or you're working with students with um, behavioral challenges in the classroom, that might be a little bit different than the examples they're, that they're giving you in the training. But I know a lot of people that have done that who have just then gained the foundational knowledge of different behavior analytic principles that then you can carry over into your classroom. So again, it's you can usually find this training under $100. Again, some places offer it for free. I would Google it and just start taking some of the modules and start learning about the different concepts. And it's a really great way to also build your different skills. Because like I said, somewhere in this episode, everything we do is behavior. So, you know, all these principles apply to so many different areas of teaching that it can really help in your classroom and help with any behaviors that you might run across in your career. Absolutely. And I will have the RBT information linked in the show notes in case you're not really sure what Maria is talking about, because that is a great suggestion. So I'll put a couple of links that you guys can follow in the show notes to check out. And did you have any other tips or anything else you wanted to leave the audience with? I would just say 
don't be afraid to ask for help. If a BCBA is coming into your classroom, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask them to model it for you. If they're asking you to do an intervention or um, run a program or something in your classroom, don't be afraid to ask them to show you how to do it with the learner. Um, they probably would model it for you like a dry run of it without actual learners there. And then hopefully they'll be able to have the opportunity to model it for you with learners there so that you are able to see the program in action. Because if you don't have, um, if you haven't taken courses and stuff like that, it can be, it can be very new, it can be challenging. And seeing someone else do it first can be really helpful. So don't be afraid to ask for that. And BCBAs, don't be, a, <laughs> don't be stingy with the modeling. <laughs> I will have Maria's Instagram linked in the show notes as well. If you want to dive into the world of ABA, just go watch her reels. I kid you not, you will watch 10 of her reels and you will learn so much. So that's like my number one place to start is on a Friday night, watch her reels. So check out her Instagram. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and you can visit me at AdaptationStation.net. I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode, and I'll talk again soon.